Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, rise and shine. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you last week? Oh, we started off last week. Shaking the Monday morning blues as we talk about Indianapolis police sergeant stomped on a man's face while he was already handcuffed, while he was already on the ground, while he was already on the ground on his back, and he was already being restrained by another officer already. And after all of that, he only got sentenced to one year. Yes. And we have seen that this this justice system is failing us miserably as it's not holding the police accountable for their actions. Yes. Now, this is the same time, you know, last week, it was the 22nd year since the 9-11 attacks here in uh, United States soil. And after all of those lives were lost, you know, from the police department, you would think that they would, you know, just represent differently. You really think that, you know, these people were different. Mm. Well, unfortunately, that makes no difference. That makes no difference. You know, we are commemorating, you know, the attacks, and, you know, we are just saluting all of those who lost their lives innocently as they went in trying to help, you know, uh, the innocent people. And they lost their lives very innocently. And here you have it. You know, I, I ask, what do you do when you have your fallen heroes 
being saluted and you are behaving in this manner. And again, it seems to be this is the thing to do if you're in law enforcement. Yeah. It's like if you're in law enforcement, it's it's a battle, you know, towards who's going to be the worst person out here. So, you know, we really got to keep this thing before the Lord. Okay? Now, talk about switching some things around. I switched with Shanti. The tip for the week was, thank God for sustaining you. And, again, you know, coming off the heels of so many people losing their lives innocently, not only that day, you know, have people lost their lives just at a, a large number, but what we go through each and every day. You know, we are battling this world each and every day, and we have no idea what dangers lurk all around us. And I give God thanks for him sustaining Stephanie. Yeah, because I know that only by the grace of God, things have not happened to me and mine, you know? So we have a lot to give God thanks for. And, you know, just a reminder to give God thanks for him sustaining us is is a wonderful reminder. So, you know, again, we're reminding you, give God thanks for sustaining you. All right? All right. Well, there was no Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folks Day last week, but there was a wow Wednesday. And our girlfriend, Vivian, gave us a socially conscious segment and we talked about the crazy budget cuts that are hitting uh, New York City and uh, probably some New York State cuts as well. We're talking about the tune of $12 billion. The mayor is talking about shaving, you know, to accommodate this crazy migrant situation. Now, here's the thing. You want to make some cuts, but they're looking to cut overtime of police officers, firefighters, EMT workers, and all kinds of different areas where we really need those numbers. Yes. You know, we're talking about getting the rats out of this, you know, city and uh, not like we can pack them off and send them somewhere, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, we can't do that without sanitation being on board a little while longer than they normally are. You know, we're talking about fighting all this crime in the subways, on the streets, now that this mental illness has seemed to have gone buck wild. Well, the officers are going to need those extra hours. Now, here's the thing. Now, this is just my crazy way of thinking. They say that we have allowed over 100,000 migrants into the city. Now, we've already seen evidence that they're not all good, that they're not all, you know, the best citizens to have. 
Now, you cut the police officers overtime, but yet you're pulling in more people to be policed? Well, I don't know about all of that because that's something that is going to increase the presence. We're going to need the presence of police officers. We're going to need the presence of EMT workers, you know, on the streets, you know, helping people. And how are we going to add so many more people to New York and we don't have the workers to balance off the scale? Yeah, we're going to be in some big trouble if they don't get these numbers together. And I can't figure out why they have not shut it down. Well, if they haven't uh, shut it down now, if there's no other reason, here's a reason to shut it down. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, still, the uh, ladies, they also helped us with being teachable. And we talked about having a willing heart in order to be teachable. We talked about learning to listen. And that is biblical. We talked about accepting correction in order to be teachable. And that, again, is biblical. So, you know, these components that you need in order to be teachable, they're biblical. So the Bible, without saying it directly, talks itself about us being teachable because we've got to grow in the Lord. Yes, the Bible says that, you know, when we first start out, we're drinking milk like babies. But as time goes on, we need to be able to eat meat. Yes. So that's talking about being teachable right there without using the word because how in the world do we possibly grow if we are not teachable? Right? Right. Oh, wow. Therapeutic Thursday rolled around. And we had our girl, our sister, Dirty Gordy, on with Trust Talk with Gertie. And one of the things we talked about were all the ingredients that they listed that we should not put in our hair. Well, our Gertie Gordon, our resident hair perfectionist, (laughs) Uh, our teacher, our knowledgeable, blessed individual, she said, you know what? Some of those things are actually needed in your hair. So it's so good that we have someone that's sent by God who knows the hair and who can give us the skinny on that particular topic and so much more. So go back and listen because we talked about a couple of other things, but that was a major part of the conversation. Well, Freestyle Friday rolled around. And we talk about the California schools that are now adopting some new laws and new rules. And one of them 
given out free condoms to the high school students. Yeah, we've got some issues going on out in California, and they feel that giving out condoms is the remedy. And not only that, they talk about in California also the gender-neutral bathrooms and how it's going to work. Well, these two things they are really pushing to put into effect, and you know, as we were talking, you know, we we discussed some things, some pros and cons to these issues, and I think you need to go back and listen because as we talk, you know, there's some evolving that's going on in this world. You know, years ago, it used to be real cut and dry. You know, uh, the church took a stance on many things, and they were like, no, or absolutely. And now, you got to go with the flow. Yes, and we talked about it on Friday. And some real good stuff came out about the church. And, you know, sometimes things are not just cookie cutter. And I think the discussion was wonderful and definitely needed. You know, the church is not talking about a lot of this stuff. It's really not. And we are failing God's people by not talking about it. So we really need to get up on things. Yeah, we really do. You know, if the church wants to be progressive, if the church wants to actually bless the people that are coming through those doors, if the church wants to bless this world, if the church understands that we are supposed to be the trendsetters, then we would have these conversations. It, it's just not like years ago. Like I said, you know, they, excuse me, they, didn't, they didn't talk about these things. Not only did they make some different decisions, but they just simply didn't talk about some stuff. So now the time has come for the doors of the church be open as well as the ears of the church need to be open as well as the mouth of the church needs to be open. Yeah. So listen, when the Bible tells us to be slow to speak and quick to listen, the church has to follow the rules of the Bible. You know, we've got to learn to listen a little bit more as a church, and we've got to learn to speak up in instances, you know. So there's a lot of growth and learning that we need to do. So let's uh, get ourselves together because, remember, we are the church. All right? All right. Well, as you can see, we had a fantastic week here on the Deacon this past step. So uh, we have now come to 
us taking the Monday morning blues all over again. Already. Already. We are shaking the Monday morning blues. We're back at it at the top of the week. And I'm going to give you some time to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time when Pastor Step is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do not, do not go anywhere because we will be right back. My name is Karen, and my husband Harold was diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. While AFib can occur at any age, it is more common in older people. Managing AFib is important. Once it's under control, you can enjoy all the activities you are used to. Once Harold got his AFib under control, we traveled, visited family, and enjoyed activities together. AFib often has no symptoms. Do something for yourself today. Talk with a healthcare professional about your risk. Visit stroke.org slash AFib to learn more. Today is Shaking the Monday Morning Blues. Yeah. You know, it could be turned on in Sea Tower Pass. That's because here in New York, it is a rainy Monday. And you know, some people go back to that song, Rainy Day for Mondays Always Get Me Better. Yeah. And we're so grateful to God that you don't have to worry about that, that rainy day and that Monday morning blues that come along with the rain sometimes. Don't worry about that because God has sent us one another. Yeah. Now, get those pens and papers out. We've got some information to get. Yeah, you know how we do on Monday morning. We got to get our health tips to get our week started. So we're talking about the number one whole grain. And a lot of us don't like to eat healthy, but, you know, these are the days where we got to become a lot more conscientious about the stuff we eat 
because we have to take care of that temple of the Lord. All right. Wow. Our whole grains are really important. They're really important because it offers us our fiber, our vitamins, our minerals, our antioxidants, and all they say, all whole grains are really beneficial for our health. Okay? Now, they play a huge part in our body and our diet. And they say that this particular part of the food group is great because it, it's power-packed with antioxidants. And we all know what antioxidants uh, do for our body. And they say that, you know, we just got finished talking about heart disease and on our PSA, yes. So, you know, we, we have our our connections. <laughs> but that fiber is a huge, huge, huge issue for us. And guess what comes up on this list? Oats. You know, when it comes to oats, it definitely helps us reduce cholesterol and a lot of us have that issue with high cholesterol and we might be taking cholesterol pills or things to get that cholesterol down. And they say that oats are great for this particular area. They say that it plays a huge part in lowering our cholesterol levels. They say while it also eases the strain on the arteries to carry blood from the heart to the rest of the body. And again, we just got finished hearing about that. You know, that heart has to be right. That heart's not right. We're not going to function very well. And they say that because of its high beta-glucan content, oats also contain heart health anti-inflammatory compounds, also said anti-inflammatory compounds. And we always talk about inflammation in the body that causes other problems. And when it talks about reducing inflammation, that's something that also helps For those of us who are eating uh, food that uh, increases our inflammation, we also can go through a lot of pain, you know, when you have arthritis, when you have your fibromyalgia, when you have other health issues. That inflammation really plays a part in how our body functions and how we feel good or whether we don't feel good or not. Yes, all right. So they encourage us to put our oatmeal in smoothies. They say put it in for your burgers, eggs, as you, you know, have heard before. 
And it's an adjustment, but if you need some binding components, oatmeal is definitely good for that. Yes. Now, when I do turkey burgers sometimes, I'll put some oatmeal in there, and it helps to bind it together. Yeah, so oatmeal plays a a role in our foods, you know, that we may not have even thought of. So if you have any type of allergic reaction to certain foods, oatmeal is a great replacement, great replacement, okay? Barley, another food that definitely helps us with our uh, getting our cholesterol and all of that stuff together. It helps to lower your cholesterol. It helps with the inflammation. It definitely helps to reduce the risk of coronary heart disease. And barley you can find in some bars. Yes. You know, we don't go out searching for barley the way research for oatmeal, but it is definitely, they say, a great runner-up to our oatmeal, okay? Barley is also found in some cereals, so go look. You know, sometimes we have shied away from things as children, but as you get to be an adult and you hear how beneficial these foods are. You want to make sure you get this food into your system. You can't act like a little kid all your life. You know, as a little sidebar, let's grow up. Let's, let's grow up. You know, how many times I've heard, you know, I, I, I ain't never ate so-and-so. Yeah, I understand, you know, as a child, Certain foods are not attractive. Certain foods don't really taste good. But I think with all of the advancement that has come with our eating, and I say that meaning, first of all, back in the day, our parents only had salt and pepper. They may have used some Lowry's. And what's the other one? Come on, those of you who are listening, it's another uh, all-purpose type seasoning. Can't think of the name of it, but that's all they really had. Now we've got tons and tons of seasonings on the shelf. We've definitely got our garlic. We've got our adobos, we've got our sazones, we have our total that that you know all purpose seasoning. We've got um, all kinds of different herbs available to us, spices. You know, we've got our thyme. We've got you know all kinds of stuff that we can add to our food while we cook it. There's no reason in this world why your food is bland. We also have learned to stir fry with olive oil, and that's not something that our parents did years ago. It was either deep, like fry it, 
a regular vegetable oil or corn oil, or even they stuck it in the oven. You know, we've learned to steam some of our foods. We've got air fryers now. We've got a crock pot that we're using a little more often. You've got like tons and tons and tons of options that they didn't really have available. And even if it was available, sometimes it was just so expensive. They did not have access to it because maybe they didn't have the money to buy the device. So you want to make sure that you don't not you're still not you know fifty years old, and you talk about well I don't eat that I ain't never eat that. Come on, come on, come on. Let's get that. Let's get our stuff together. Let's get ourselves together. Let's grow up, people. Let's grow up. Let's start getting a little more creative because we have our heart health to be concerned about. We have our cholesterol that we need to be concerned about. We've got, you know, all different types of health issues, and the way we eat is definitely the catalyst as to how our health moves forward. You all right? All right. So, what are we talking about today? Wow. Uh, well, I have a few stories. Don't even know where to start. So, this is just really... We got a couple of stories that kind of overlap, and it's really weird. Because, again, it seems to be a trend when you find one story. When you look up, you have nine stories about the same thing, and you're like, well, where did this trend come from? Well, we have this six-year-old that was held underwater by his stepdad as a punishment. And unfortunately, the little boy died. Yeah. So they have this story of a six-year-old boy who was beaten. He was placed in a dog cage. He was held underwater as punishment until he lost his little life. Now, of course, of course, of course. And this is always the saddest part of our story. And the reason why I say it's the saddest part of the story is because most times, mom is actually involved. Yeah. You know, years ago, you used to hear that, you know, a stepdad did something with or to the children and mom didn't know. Now, these days, it doesn't seem to be the case. Mom is always somewhere around sanctioning this behavior. So they say that this situation went on and someone called 911 and the little boy was found unconscious 
in the bathtub. And the stepfather told the deputies that the child had been sent into the bathroom as a punishment for soiling himself. And he waited 20 minutes before checking on the little boy. And when he supposedly went to check, he found that the door was locked and he supposedly had to break into the bathroom. And he said on the inside he found the little boy in the bathtub face down in the water. The little boy died two days later in the hospital. Well, when they checked, they found out that the six-year-old had open wounds, other previous scars, and they say as they looked around in the home, it showed signs of neglect. There was no electricity. They say all windows in the bathroom, and I mean, that's not a huge thing because a lot of bathrooms don't have windows, but I don't know why these two things seem to be, you know, that was an alarm to them. I don't know. But they say there was no electricity in the bedrooms where the kids slept. Now, check this out. The stepfather told them that he would turn off the breaker for those particular rooms so that the kids would have no electricity. And the doors of the the doors where the children were was locked from the inside. Now they say inside of one of the bedrooms they found clothing that had been soiled with urine and feces and feces was on the wall or on the bedroom closet. They say there were also medications prescribed to this six year old that had not been given to him which was evident because the pills in the bottle showed that he hadn't, he hadn't been given them. You know, if they're looking at the pills that's left in the bottle from the date that it was prescribed, you could tell that it wasn't given to him. So they said when they went into the garage, they found a dog cage. And come to find out, they had been keeping the children, especially the six-year-olds, in the door cage. Yeah. Now, when they spoke to the other children, who's seven and ten, they told them that they were rewarded with candy and food if they participated in beating up the little boy and putting him in the door cage. How do you encourage the other children to mistreat this little boy. This is some thick stuff. You're you're mistreating him, and now you're teaching the children to also mistreat him. And they say that they also told them, the children told them that he would take the six-year-old swimming in the bathroom as a punishment and would hold his head under water. And on one occasion, he held the child so long underwater that he went unconscious and they had, you know, he had to perform CPR on him. Oh, they also said 
that the little boy had been threatened with choking if he told anyone about the abuse of the six-year-old. And they saw there were text messages between these people regarding the abuse of the six-year-old and photos of the child in the door cage. And I tell you, this this here, I don't know what's happening to this world or what has happened to this world. And you can easily associate evil with this world, in this world, because this stuff here, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for this behavior. There's no excuse that you would treat a little boy like this. And finally, uh, they saw that, you know, one of the texts said, why can't you just do it the right way until you can see signs um, that he's getting better? One of the other text said, I hate him. This is the mother who said, I hate him, and I want to put him up for adoption. And that would have been the better, that, that would have been the better decision. It would have been the, the better decision. I don't know what made, what made this little boy so hated. They're six, seven, and ten years old in the home, and just to think, that you would treat one of the children, any of the children like this, is it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. My heart hurts when I think about how he felt, how he must have felt when he watched the other children treated better, when he was the victim of this treatment by the other children as well. I need a five-second pause, please. Thank you. You know, so these people, they're being charged with first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse by aggravated battery, aggravated manslaughter of a child, Tampering in felony life capital proceeding. What in the world is that? I tell you, they're coming up with They get real creative. Child abuse and causing a minor to become delinquent, dependent, or needy. Of course, these pulled the other children out of the home. And that's the best thing that can happen for those children. And they're going to need some therapy, too, because as they get older, we don't know how they're going to feel about what they did to their brother. You know, we don't know how they feel about watching that, you know, as as children. You remember now, there was no electricity in the room. He would turn the electricity off in the room as punishment to the children. Is this here? This behavior here? You know, I think about what people used to say, oh, there's going to be a 
special place in hell for them. You know, I, I don't I don't know if God's gonna turn the fire up. I don't know if there's a special section in hell. <laughs> the Bible definitely doesn't give us that, but I don't know. I, I can't imagine them treating this kid like this and thinking it was okay. I don't know. Now, speaking of thinking it's okay, you have this Cleveland police officer issue. You know, I told you that last week we talked about Indianapolis and all this kind of stuff. Well, you have two former, former now, East Cleveland, Ohio police officers who they have fallen into the spotlight. They were sentenced for stealing thousands of dollars after they pulled people over during traffic stops. So they say the judge ordered Willie Sims, 32, to listen now, two years in prison. His partner, Alonzo Cole, 35, was sentenced to two and a half years in prison, and they were both fined $40,000. They say in total, both of them stole $14,781 from six victims from July 2020 to July 21. While they were on duty, they say that Officer Cole also swiped two firearms from the victim. Now, they say that one person that was afraid to go public told how they treated him and they say that the two men were arrested after a motorist reported that the police officers took $4,000 during a traffic stop at a gas station. They say that the, the victim was supposed to give a statement, but then he told the, the court that he was afraid because he thought he would be targeted. And we know that these cops have a huge and long reach. They say that the 21-year-old man said he was on his way to a funeral home to pay for his mother's services when the officers robbed him. And so he never got a chance to pay the mother's funeral expenses because of that. They say that the two were connected to a wide investigation of corruption because more than a dozen former or current officers have been charged with various crimes, including police chief Scott Gardner, who is accused of fraud, theft, money laundering, and tampering with records, he's denied the charges. 
They say that on July 7th of 2020, Officer Sims responded to a gas station in East Cleveland after 52-year-old told he was the victim. He got into a verbal altercation with a woman. They say the victim had placed a firearm he was carrying on the seat of the car, and $3,800 in cash fell out. They say that Officer Sims ordered the victim out of the car, searched the vehicle, that the officer took the $3,800, arrested the victim, and had the car towed. Four months later, on November 8th, 2020, that the same officer swiped $1,300 from a car belonging to a 34-year-old victim, and the victim said that he made every excuse for stopping him and ordered him out of the car. And when the victim returned to the vehicle, he noticed that the money was missing. So the victim told the judge that he did not report the stolen money because he also had drugs in the car. So they say that this same victim told the judge that that same Officer Sims pulled him over again two other times. And during the second incident, he didn't steal from him because he didn't have anything to take. So he just left. The third incident occurred in July of 21. And Officer Sims stopped him at a gas station, ordered him out of the vehicle. And when he refused, He said that the officer roughed him up a bit. He also told the court that he was placed in the back of the police car while Officer Sims ransacked his vehicle, took $781 in the marijuana edibles from the car. Now, here's the interesting part. They say that Officer Sims apologized to the family and friends telling the court that he was sorry for putting himself in that position. He's he's apologizing to his people that he was sorry for putting himself in that position and he was fined $40,000. The other officer, Cole, was accused of stealing money, marijuana, and guns from victims on four separate occasions. And during a traffic stop on September 22nd of 20, he robbed a 43-year-old victim, a 43-year-old victim of $850 and about $400 worth of marijuana. He then issued the driver a traffic citation, and the citation included his signature and the forged signature of a police sergeant who was not at the scene. Now, the two of them both played guilty last month to four counts of robbery and one count of theft in the office. And the judge, you know, said that, you know, he's damaged everybody in the community, so forth and so on. Now, 
I'm trying to figure out. After the judge said that, he also said that he, that the two of them were trained to the system and that they were far worse than your normal burglar or robber or criminal. Now, after saying all of this, all you sentence them to is two years? If someone else had committed those crimes, they would have been sentenced to more than two years. How are you, as an authority figure, sentenced to two years after you've committed these crimes on more than one occasion, you're forging signatures. we That's identity theft, in a sense. If we go forge the signature of someone else, we are, I mean, we have to pay a price for that. So, again, Again, our great justice system does not hold these people accountable for their behavior. You're out here menacing the very people you're supposed to be protecting. And the worse you get, so we talked last week about the man who stumped the guy in the face one year and a day. These two. Two and two and a half years, I wonder what made the half year difference for the other one. Man, some of these judges need to go to court. Some of these judges need to be pulled off the bench because they are, they're useless. They are, in my opinion, they are completely useless. How could you possibly be the person on the bench who is supposed to show the community that you got our back when in actuality you don't? These police officers who have failed us, they need to pay. They really, really need to pay. Now, speaking of paying, I want to talk about this before I go to my sparse due time crew. There's a man in Australia. He accused a hospital of causing him to develop a psychotic illness after he watched his wife undergo a infection. Now, this gentleman, if you want to call him that, he tried to sue the Royal Women's Hospital for letting him watch his wife give birth via C-section back in 2018. He sought what we, it would be our $643 million in this lawsuit And he said that the hospital encouraged or permitted him to watch the operation and see his wife's organs and blood 
caused him psychological injury. They say that he he filed a lawsuit several years after the operation, saying it caused the onset of psychotic illness that led him to a breakdown of his marriage. They say that the proceedings included a medical exam, and the panel concluded the degree of psychiatric impairment did not satisfy the threshold level, and his damage claim of non-economic loss, they didn't render significant. So sometimes when you put the, this, these cases in the hands of the jury, yeah, it, it, it comes out to be very different. They weren't trying to read it. The case was dismissed because the jury found that this here was bogus. Now, if you have a psychotic illness, are you able to say you have a psychotic illness? Would you be too psychotic to claim that you had a psychotic illness? I don't know. I would think so. I would think so. But now I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about Australia or wherever this was, but in New York, and I'm sure in the other states of the United States, we, you don't look at that. No. You may watch a natural childbirth, but when it comes to C-section, you don't see that. No. That's not something you see somebody he saw organs and blood. No. Here in the United States, they put you behind like a draping. There is no uh, cameras. There is no camera. There are no TV monitors. You don't see anything. I sat in the room of a C-section delivery. You don't see this. I have had two C-section deliveries. You don't see that. You as the mother don't see it. So I don't know what kind of procedures they do in in uh, Australia, but that was already bogus because I can't imagine them forcing him to sit and watch them slice your stomach open. And not only that, when they delivering babies, it's no organs and all of that stuff. What did you do? Stand over? You would have to literally stand over in the same position as doctors in order to even see it. Because it's not like they pull the organs out and then they pull the baby out. I mean, these people, again, again, any any claim is better than none. Any way you can get a lawsuit. And as I said, you know what, thank God for some juries because you, ain't nobody trying to hear this. 
everybody trying to hear. Not only that, they can't make you do anything. They can't make you stay in the delivery room. You got to be kidding me. Uh, let me talk to my uh, due time crew here. Let's say good morning to our Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? I am well. Thank you. I'm well. You know, we're talking about some of this news here, as always. You got these two police officers out in Cleveland who, for one whole year, from July of 20 to July of 21, they were found guilty as well as confessed and gave apology for their behavior as they were a menace to the community. They were forcing traffic stops only to rob the people. And one guy who they just targeted him, they said he had three stops. And they ripped him off real well the first time. The second time, he had nothing, so they let him go. The third time, he had about $800 and some marijuana in the car. And they took that. And, you know, they apologized, the two officers, to their families because they had put themselves in that position. So I guess what they were really saying was, you know, well, now I can't take care of you because I'm now going to jail. I don't know, Pastor K.L. You know, they only got two, two and a half years. One got two, one got two and a half years. What are we talking about here? There's several things that is extremely disgusting. But what are we talking about here? Well, they, they give a whole new meaning to I am my brother's keeper. You know, the guys of the blue. It's gonna be it's gonna be true to each other, you know whether they're, whether they're in the right or whether they're in the wrong, you know they they can really do no wrong, you know I think they gave them two years because they had to give them something. If if, yep. if they could have walked away with not giving anything, they would have. But but the backlash they would have gotten would have been too much, so they gave them something, yeah. you know. But but again, you know had it been the other way around, had it been us. You know, we, we, we would have been under the jail. Under the jail. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no way in the world that if you were found guilty of being a menace and you were just out here randomly robbing people, that you would have gotten immediately two years. And I agree with you 100%. You know, something is better than nothing. And unfortunately, I don't know about for you, but for me, Two years is equivalent to nothing. So would it have been yeah. much worse if you gave them nothing? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Do you feel that way? Yeah, well, you know, like like I said about the other case, you know, two years is a lifetime for, for an officer in jail. You know, so, I mean, okay, I got... while, while it doesn't look good on paper, man, 
you go on day for day. And you got to try to stay alive day for day. And and then you don't know where they put you because you might have put some of these boys behind bars. But now, yeah. now you're hanging out. Now you're on the top bunk or the bottom bunk. You know, and, and now they're going to eat your cornbread. How about that? Yeah. Well, you know, so. I, forgot, I forgot that was a, a good point you brought up last week, you know, when the Indianapolis uh, sergeant was was uh, sentenced to a year and a day. And it was a very good point you brought up then. And a reminder now that if they are going into a general population type of environment that, like you said, yeah, they 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 are very subject to be menaced themselves. You know, if, especially if they don't send them, if they yeah, if they don't send them away, if they do local time, because yeah. the reach is not that far. So you you got that right. You got that right. They may not last very long up in there. Let's see what Shanti has said this morning. She, uh, she may have a, a, a similar thought or something a little different. Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. I am well, thank you. I am well. You know, Pastor KL brought this up last week, and he's bringing it up today about the two years and two years and a half that these officers are getting for their mm-hmm. menacing. What's your thought? It definitely shows that they just wanted to do some little thing in order to show that they were willing to give some form of punishment, but that the little two years it's like, what is that really going to do? And I agree with Pastor KL. You know, they may go in there and not make it past. You know, you see them walking in, holding their blanket and pillow, and they, and they walking, you know, to, to their cell. They may not make it past that because, as he stated, the inmates already smell. You know, they, they can. It's almost like, like how we say in the streets, you could tell when you're not from this hood. You know, so it's like when they're, when they're doing that walk, themselves, the other inmates can tell a lot of times that this is your first bid. They a lot of times they can tell maybe you know if you you not from the state but you got locked up here whatever they're gonna be able to tell you're a cop. And then of course more than likely, like he said, you done put most of these people in here, so it's a wrap for you. It's like you ain't ever gonna. Be they're going to take your food. They're going to take whatever is put on your books. They're going to do. So, yeah, it, and I, I've i been thinking that a lot lately, you know, when we hear about, you know, so-and-so got off or so-and-so only got a few months or a year or so. And I've been thinking, like, if God allows them, for whatever reasons he has, to, quote-unquote, get away with it in the world, Oh my goodness, that might mean that his punishment directly is going to be so severe if for a fact you've been doing this, whatever the this is, and he's allowing you to look like he's skating by to the natural eye. But 
that could possibly mean that when he's ready to deal with you, it's going to be a whole lot worse than maybe someone he has allowed to really serve time here on earth. Doesn't mean he's still ain't gonna deal with you. But it to me for some reason that's just what I've been thinking a lot of lately. Like if if you've been known for doing such and such and like you getting away with it here, oh my goodness. You ain't really getting away with it. To us it may just look like you're getting away with it. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes it's better to be in the hands of man than mm-hmm. it is to be in the hands of God. You know, I remember David, the story of David, when David opted to be in the hands of God because being mm-hmm. in the hands of man would have been worse. But sometimes, I got to tell you, being in the hands of man, you do a little mm-hmm. bit better than watching personally some some punishment that God has been rendering. And, man, I'm sure if they were in the hands of man, they would have been a little more merciful. So, you know, it, it, it's a good point that the two of you are, are definitely bringing up. You know, listen, you, you better be careful. You better be careful out here what you do because your sins do follow you. So whether God allows mm-hmm. you to call the man or whether God deals with you personally, directly, either way, you're not going to get away. You're not going to get away at all. All right, I, got, I, got to, I wanted to talk to you about this C-section business and, and this, you know, this uh, claim and this lawsuit where, you know, you've been made to watch this C-section and you which I'm telling you, there were no organs exposed. They're not going to expose your organs. They must have just gotten to kill you. But, you know, your organs, he got, he had to see organs and blood and all of that. If he were, let's say for argument's sake, he did go into the delivery room or the operating room at this point and saw this, do you think it was even, he, he should have been able to get some money? Because he ended up with a psychotic illness, so he claims. I'm going to throw this one at you, Shanti's first. Well, my first mind went to, and you said it, Pastor my first mind went to, how did they force you to see this? Because anytime we watch, not only with scripted series we see on TV, but even if you watch a lot of these reality, like doctor shows or hospital shows, they you see them like banning you from walking past a certain point. You can't be, they got to make sure the surgeons don't pass out, let alone an average person walking up in there and you watching something. How, not only that, especially as a man, most men, 90% of these men know they can't handle watching a woman's finger bleed, let alone you walking up into an operating room. You know you're not going to be able to. So now you walked in there because I didn't hear someone pushed you in there or strapped you to a chair and rolled you in there. So you willingly walked in there. You saw something, and now you're saying they forced you. My my mind then went to stop telling us y'all ain't got no money. Y'all got money to throw at this? Because I, cause I'm really trying to understand how someone forced you 
to watch someone else get cut open. So y'all got money to throw at someone who is claiming that they were forced. Did they hold you up? Did one person was on one side, the person was on the other side, and someone else was holding your head, and then someone else was holding your eyes open and telling you to watch, and now you're getting paid for this? I think this is completely bogus. I think something went the way he didn't want it to go, and now he's claiming that this is what happened so that he can be financially compensated. Because I, I don't understand how they would, like you said, they would not let. We were in the room with my sister for 23 hours waiting for my niece to come out, and I was mad because it was a whole day we waited for this child to come out. She had to get an emergency C-section, and you were the only one who can go up in there. And like you said, even you were banned from, you know, going past a certain point, even in there. So I, I, I just think this is just a way for you to get money. Well, thank God the and jury so said no. Cut. Right, I, and so no. I want my cut. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I want my cut for for my traumatization for waiting twenty twenty over twenty four hours for a baby who didn't come out naturally. And if that's the case, then everyone needs to be compensated for something. You know what I'm saying? Like, come, come on. Yeah, that I just think he something just probably didn't go the way he preferred or would have liked it to go, and this is your way of now trying to get money. Of Pastor KL. He's also claiming that it has damaged his marriage. <laughs> He's also claiming that it's done damage to the marriage in addition to this psychotic illness. Do you think at any he should have been rendered five dollars? What's your thoughts? Well, I'm 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 totally with Shantita. I'm trying to figure out how big was the doctor and the nurse that strapped you there and made you watch. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to get tampons just because of of knowing what what it's for. I don't want to see no blood. Yeah. I yeah. I have I had a set of twins. One was vaginal, and one was a C-section. Do you think I stood there and watched that? No. And, 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 and you know, you, you get choices. If you know you can't take, as, as Shanti says, a paper cut, I'm going to sit there and watch your whole organs outside. Now, <laughs> like I said, I don't know, you know, you said you don't know about the other country, but where I was in the Bronx, they didn't let me see. I, right. I didn't have that. Yeah. I wasn't privy to that. Not only was I not privy, I did not want to be privy to that. You know, there's certain things that, that, listen, I'm sorry, women, you just got to deal with. I'll hold your hand, but that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to help you, you know. Every now and then I'm going to say, push, breathe, push. But I know I'm not going and and watching your whole insides cut open. The the, the trauma for me is to tell me we got to go in. Just to hear that wow. trauma. That means I need to go into the waiting area. Y'all give a brother a call. One of them was already out. Well, give me that one. That one did good. Give me yeah. that one. Y'all oh work on the other one. You know, I'm I'm telling you, when I I had two, Shantice was one, 
they had to put me to sleep because it was really emergency emerging. It, it was really bad. Um, it was a matter of trying to save her life. Um, the second one was an emergency, but it was prep. There was prep time, and when we, when when they cut her, they had again the draping over, you know, like where my chest was, and you couldn't see anything past that. And me and Dad sat on, you know, the side of the draping, and the doctors and the surgeon, they were on the other side. Um, when we went in with Shawnee and Shanti said, I went in with her after they said that she had to have an emergency C-section. And again, she and I were on one side of the drape, and the surgeons were on another side of the drape. And when they actually put the baby in the little bassinet, I, I still couldn't see. I still couldn't see the mom. Couldn't see, still see mom. They still had a drapery up where even on the side, you, the drapery was up. You couldn't see. So I'm trying to figure out. I know, you know, all countries don't operate the same. But I can't imagine anyone forcing you or even that be part of the process that you watch. You know, why? listen, and I think Shantice may have said it, we're going to risk you passing out. So now we got to deal with mm-hmm. the emergency C-section and try to get somebody to get you up off the floor. You know, these, these surgeries mm-hmm. and this staff, they're accustomed to this. I mean, how many times we've seen in a, on a comedy show one of the first-timers going into the operating room and then he passes or she passes out? So you mm-hmm. know they're not going to mm-hmm. let an average individual go in and uh, <laughs> possibly become a patient. They, they don't have time to risk that. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. You know, we're a little lighter today, and I'm going to give you two a chance to kind of throw something out that maybe you've been wondering, you saw in the news, you really want to talk about today. And it's not Let's Talk About It Tuesday. We're going to turn it into Let's Talk About It Monday. Pastor K, I'm going to give you the first chance to to bring up a topic that you may have been itching to talk about, and, you know, here's, now's the time. Well, this, this this might not be appropriate for Monday, but I've been itching for you to talk about why is not, why isn't Trump in jail yet? Why wow. is he not in jail? Why? All these indictments, all these things are coming up. Why is he yet not in jail? Uh, what do you think, um, why Trump is not in jail, despite, as Pastor K.O. said, the indictments have just not started. They've been loading up on indictments for ever since January 6th business. What do yep. you think is the holdout? The powers that be are in cahoots with him. I had someone say to me, um, like, oh, because, you know, Trump is is breaking up this crime ring and, and Trump and so-and-so is breaking. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, and hey, you really believe this 
you really believe that this person is breaking up these crime rings. Meanwhile, they're supposed to be prosecuted and all of that on the opposite end. How You can't be on, on both sides. You got to choose a side. And since you have already chosen your side every time you open your mouth, I don't understand how you're not outside of the powers that be are in cahoots with you. And there may be some, like, taking some time to figure out how can we prosecute him? How can we persecute him without bringing ourselves down in the process? How can we, What wasn't it Weinstein? that supposedly um, died in jail from suicide and all that, which a lot of people, when I'm one who believe that wasn't no suicide, I believe they killed him because he was about to out people higher than him who was involved in what he was involved in. And I think that's what's going on. So we just did pass the stuff about the cop. We have to do something. And I guess they figured the indictments were enough but now they hear that it's not enough. People want to see the book really thrown at him. But we can't just throw the book at him because then it's going to bring us down. So we got to figure out a way to act ourselves out of being prosecuted before we can prosecute him. Because he's not going to be the only one who goes down. Ah, You know, we talked about this a, a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, how Giuliani and, you know, quite a few of these individuals have been brought down and named in regards to this entire issue with Donald Trump. And they thought it was cute to be a part of his camp. They thought it was great to, you know, be a part of the Trump administration they thought it was, you know, a powerful thing. They were going to make a difference. And I'm looking here, and it says, Donald Trump faces four criminal indictments in three separate jurisdictions, nearly 100 felony criminal charges are leveled against the former president, who remains the odds-on favorite to win the 2000 24 Republican primary. That right there tells you why he ain't in jail. Because after saying (laughs) he faces four criminal indictments in three separate jurisdictions, 100 felony criminal charges are leveled against him, y'all still talking about he remains the odds-on um, odds favorite to win the 2024 Republican primary. My question is, there is still sight on winning this presidential race. And I'm saying to myself, well, what kind of fools do you think we are? We, didn't, we did not vote for him the first go-round. Now, the people who voted for him the first go-round, a lot of them are not voting for him the second go-round. So I'm trying to figure out, with this here, why is he even allowed to run? Right. You're talking about Pascal, why he ain't in jail. Mm 
why would this even, well, why would you even be allowed to run? If you, here we go, it goes back to Sean, what Shanti said. Oh, yeah, there's going to be some push because if he goes down, I promise you, he's pulling a whole lot of people down. Now, here's the thing. A whole lot of people have fallen just for the association, like we were uh-huh. talking about. Julian, just from the association, imagine what's going to happen when this uh, all comes out and he has to face jail or he ain't going down alone. I mean, what are your thoughts, Pastor K.L.? Well, well I, I, I kind of got a whole different twist. So a couple of weeks ago, we just celebrated, or not so much celebrated, but we just acknowledged the anniversary of 9-11. And we were baffled by people who would take their own life in the name of someone else. Here we have people who have taken their own life, their own freedom, in the name of Trump. And no one's mad at him. No one's out to get him. No, 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 one's, no one's looking for him. No one's putting him in jail. But it was a big uproar when people took their lives to knock down the World Trade Center. Here we are. Mm-hmm. People are taking their lives to climb the wall, to get inside. And, and no one thinks that there's a problem with that. No one is out to, to, to kill him. No one's out to, uh, to, 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 to scold him or nothing. But people are risking their own selves in the name of Trump. But that's okay. But when someone from another country does it to us, then that's a problem. I'm just not understanding. To me, I see it as the same thing. People are standing mm-hmm. for this man who's clearly not standing for them, and he's walking around free haphazardly. People are falling in destruction for a man who don't care about them. Absolutely. You know, there have been five years and six years sentences for some of these people from their actions from this January 6th. And here he is. They have claimed and crowned him the mastermind. The the one who has pushed them into this whole insurrection, and like you said, y'all sitting behind bars for a man that's walking around, and I don't know why they thought that they were not going to, you know, get caught and have to face time. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out, y'all thought y'all would, if y'all got caught, y'all would have to face time. I would be fine with the person who pushed me to do this, walking around out here. I'm with you, Pastor Kale. This, this here, this is some twisted, twisted, twisted thinking. And, again, your, my question is, you know, you are on this 2024. And you know what's funny? He has never stopped talking about it. When he hadn't been indicted, he was talking about going back for 2024. When now that he has been indicted, he's still talking about 2024. And I'm saying to myself, boy, 
he must really have a shoe and win. Because who keeps focusing on this and yet nothing? And yet they have nothing to worry about. It's a really good question, um, Pastor KL, but it just goes to show you, like Shanti said, it really falls in with, the, with all the other stories we've done. You know, so what? So what that they, you know, so what they did it? Oh, give them a little bit of time. They felt that the indictments would be enough because this is not the first time he's been indicted. He's been in legal trouble for years. Even when he finished the presidency, I don't know if y'all remember, there was some stuff then. And now you've got this. Yeah, he's still he's still a survivor. He ain't going nowhere. He is not going anywhere. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Shanti. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. KL gave something that's been marinating on his brain. What about you? Well, I did want to talk about um, Pastor K.L. touched on um, in his last, you know, thoughts of Trump. And it's what is with, and I'm seeing it with non-believers and believers of Christ. What is with this whole idolizing, especially um I mean, it's with everyone, but it's a lot more noticeable, of course, when it's done with public figures and, you know, entertainers, celebrities, of course, because, you know, they're set apart in a certain way to be looked at as higher than the average law-abiding citizen. Um, But what is with all of this idolatry and worshiping of these public figures and entertainers and stuff, like I said, it's it's troubling to see the non-believers do it, but I'm even watching believers when I listen to, um, you know, people talk. And, you know, it's it's one of the things I heard that was really disturbing to me was, you know, oh, so-and-so, you know, this celebrity or entertainer has this amount of money. Like, they'll never go broke. They'll never da-da-da-da because they're so set up. And, and I'm just like... And as they say in the street, anybody can get it. Anybody can be on one level today. And it's to the point where not even tomorrow, in a few hours, they could be on a whole lower level. You know, before it was the, the same was today, you could be here, tomorrow you could be there. Now it's like at 3 o'clock, you could be here. At 3.15, <laughs> you could be here. But yet it's this fixation on... They're so higher, you know, so much higher, and they're so set up, and they'll never crumble and never fall. Meanwhile, God is allowing us to see the fall of so many people who are in, you know, the limelight in these industries. And that that's just, it's getting worse, and it's really, really, really concerning to me. Like I said, I'm hearing it from both sides, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. But, it's, of course, especially to hear believers say that, you know, it, it, it's really troubling. Wow. Pastor Kale, what do you think about this here? I, I, I think, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, people are still dreamers. 
you know, and and they, they look up to people for, for the wrong reason. You know, the, the Bible says that, that mm. the love of money, you know, not money, but the love of money mm. is of all of all evil. And and that's the problem. You know, some, some folks, when, 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 when you're in destitute or you don't have as much, all you dream about is money. All you think about is money. You know, instead of instead of allowing God to progress you. You know, we, we want the, the quick the, the quick schemes and, you know, figure out how we can do this fast. But but that's the problem. And then people don't realize that even the people who have lots of money, they have lots of problems. So so mm-hmm. why you want more money, you don't think about right. their problems. You know, and, and that's the issue. You don't think about they have all this money, but yet they're lonely. They have all this money, right. but yet they're suicidal. They have all this money, but yet they're going through so many other things. They, they can't be themselves because they can't just walk the streets like everybody else do. So money, you know, begins problems that, listen, you can't handle being poor. You definitely can't handle being rich. Mm-hmm. And they don't yep. do that. Yep. Yep. And you're right, Pastor Kale. That's what I was thinking about when Shy Peace was talking. And I'm like, you're actually... Uh, talking about somebody whose rich can't go down and they're always going to have money. And my thought is, yeah, you're right. They could die rich. However, what is the quality of life? You know, uh, mm-hmm. how, how do they even feel like about living? How many of these entertainers commit suicide? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just become too much. How many of them don't have a family life. Every single marriage they have had has failed. They don't get along with their children or they don't their children don't even know them or you know, how many times do these people have money but yet they have no sanity. They have no happiness. They have no quality of life. So I, I agree with you 100%, Pastor Kayo. You know, you, you're talking about the fact that so-and-so has money and so disheartening to hear that a, a, a believer has said, you know, mm-hmm. well, look at, you know, so-and-so with all this money and, you know, they're never going to go broke when you should know what the Bible says about this whole issue of money and and happiness and how, you know, today you can be here and tomorrow you could still be here physically, but yet your fame, your fortune, your everything is just gone. Nothing is promised tomorrow. And, and I still stand on the platform and say sometimes it might be better off to be dead, for real, than to walk around here as the walking dead because your life is so miserable and, and it means nothing to anybody, nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember saying mm-hmm. to someone, and this was someone who's not, you know, uh, you know, a big entertainer or whatever, but just to say, you know, what they said. I said, well, how are your grandchildren? And he said, oh, I'm just so over the grandchildren. And I was like, wow, you know, here we have a, an older individual who, you know, 
you love your grandchildren. You know, you get excited. You may not want them over every day, but, you know, it's the next level of your legacy. You know, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren and, and things like that. And, you know, I bring that up to say everything doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. when grandchildren are like big for some people, you know, when they got to spend every waking moment, they're going to take the kids. And No, I'm sorry. I, I just ain't there yet. I'll enjoy Mariah as much as we have her, but yeah, I, ain't, I ain't all there. You know, um, but, again, this money thing is, you know, crazy when you hear a believer say, hey, you know, so-and-so is always going to be at the top. Really? Wow. And what I'm seeing a lot of too, Pastor Steph, is a lot of people are not paying attention because what I'm watching is all of these celebrities that y'all are holding up so high and you believe will never fall. You're watching them take themselves through changes to stay relevant. So what does that tell you? They're not happy anytime they can fall which is why they're making whatever changes they think they need to make to stay relevant because their belief is if I don't switch this up, if I job, if I don't get this facelift, if I don't get this Botox, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't start now dressing naked on everything, if I don't now then if I don't change my music to this, you know, even though this ain't this isn't my original style, this isn't authentic to who I am as an artist. I'm saying I I believe I can fall if I don't switch this up. And we're not talking about switching, you know, because there there is going to have to be a change. And you think about the music in the 50s, it was different in the 70s, it was different in the 90s. Of course, there's going to be change in everything. But to change the core of who you are to stay relevant is never supposed to happen. So when you start to change that, what you're saying is I believe at any point I can fall if I don't change such and such a thing. But meanwhile, you're still looking at them as if they're just this untouchable being. And it's like y'all are so busy idolizing that you're not even paying attention to what they're ultimately saying without them literally have to say, you know, having to say it out of their mouth. And that right. and that's what's really concerning. Not to not with a non-believer, but with a believer, because we're supposed to be able to analyze, even if we don't catch it initially. But we're supposed to be able to analyze and see through and hear through a lot of what's being presented. But because we're just so busy idolizing like the rest of the world, we're, we're missing it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Pastor Kale. What's your thought on that one? They're silently telling us that they're not happy, that they're not satisfied, and we can't even read between the lines as a believer. Yeah, because because we don't have a spirit of discernment. You know, we, we, we look mm-hmm. at stuff from value, you know, and as long as it shines, then they got to be happy. You know what I mean? It, as, as long as they're smiling, then everything is okay. I mean, we as, as believers are, are so confused, even even as believers, even in the church. You know, when, when I hear people talk about, you know, and, and we just talked about the, 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 the crash and talked about the Trump, but when I hear people say, for God I live and for God I die, to me that's crazy because he said that I come, 
that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask you to do that. That's not what he asked you to do. So even as believers, we got this thing all twisted. You know, we, we got the World Trade Center mentality that I'm going to die. But he didn't ask you to do that. He wants you to live and have life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't say all that. You know, and then he even went on to say, but, but to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know what I mean? But, but he wants you to live for him. But we got this mm-hmm. thing all messed up. You know, everything is visual. Even, even with your leaders, we don't pray for our leaders because seemingly because we drive a Benz or seemingly because we, we wear a nice suit or a nice dress, that we got it all together and we don't need no prayer. And then you get mad at us because we drive a Benz. You get mad at us because we, we, we wear good clothes. But, but, but do you know how much attacks the man or woman goes through? Just, just, just from you, <laughs> the, the people in the pew, <laughs> and you won't pray for us because we don't need prayer because we know God. Well, you know God too, but yet at twelve o'clock, late in the midnight hour, you want to call me for prayer to to to, to pray to the same God that you already know. Make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Ah, it, 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 there's a lot of truth in that. We're so busy, angry about the fact that, you know, hey, they're driving this, they live in a that, so forth and so on. I mean, we, we've talked about this here before on Church Folk where, you know, there are those, you know, pastors or leaders, you know, who live you know, lavishly and things like that. And I said, you you have to be careful of what you speak because a lot of times you don't know what's going on. You know, there are some, um, you know, back in the day, their mentality regarding their leader was much different than the mentality today. They put their leader in big, lavish houses. They put their leader in cars. They put their leader, you know, in a certain financial bracket because they felt that, listen, this man or this, back then it was men, it wasn't really any women, but this man is the caretaker of our lives. Because in the midnight hour we can call them, because at any given moment, you know, they're supposedly praying for us, because, you know, they're taking care of us, you know, they don't get, um, a rest, a chance to rest, because uh, they are giving up their family life. You know, they are, they're our responsibility. And they made it their business to take care of their leader. Now, mm-hmm. we have a much different mentality. Well, first of all, we put our leader up like that, the way the older generations have. You know, we like Pastor Gale said, we're going to get mad if they look like they got a little extra. You know, we, mm-hmm. we have talked about that. You know, are you concerned that, you know, you're getting in your bends and you're pulling off, but yet your congregants are barely making, you know, uh, a bus and train, you know, uh, car fare to even get 
to church or, you know, have you, do you have a, a, a van service or a bus service that would pick up your elderly at least? You know, we do understand that there needs to be a level of improvement, you know, but there are some cases where you just want to see your pastor enjoy. You just want to see your leader have a little extra and, you know, you can't get mad at that. You know, now, you know, leaders are workers. They have an, a regular secular job, and they're balancing mm-hmm. the two. So, you know, back then, you were a leader. You were a leader. You didn't, you weren't out here janitor or, you know, uh, the head of a five, a Fortune 500 company or, you know, you were, you know, a salesperson. Or, no, you didn't juggle that. You know, you did your family duty and took care of the church. So that was their mentality. So, you know, I agree that the level of discernment is off. You know, you know your leader. You know whether your leader, you know, has the love of money, who is living over lavishly. You know, look at look at look at the the, the one who stays in the paper all the time, the news all the time, and they're saying mm-hmm. that. You know, he's lavishly claiming that they took a million dollars in jewelry, but yet when they said, well, you're in an impoverished area of Brooklyn, he said, no, I'm not. Where do you come from? You know, so those things are a little different. You know, you got to be concerned about your congregation. You do have to be concerned about your, you know, your, your neighborhood and things like that. Doesn't mean I have to give it all up. Well, I mean, it has to be an individual thing. It can't be no, you know, uh, one size fit all attitude or mentality. I don't know. You know, it's a lot to it's a lot to talk about when you talk about what your leader has versus what your leader doesn't have. Is your leader in the trenches with you? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. leaders just kind of sit out there and they don't do anything other than just get up on the pulpit, preach the word, and walk off. But, you know, are they in the trenches? Maybe pastors who are in the trenches, their their congregants are looking at them a little differently, you know, and they want to do a little bit more. So, you know, it's, it's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, what what we think and having that discernment. And, and unfortunately, we lack that when we're looking at the world versus the church and how we need to be mm-hmm. functioning. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is there a switch tip today? Well, it's a quarter to, so we're just going to pray our, our way out of this morning. But thank you so very much, Pastor KL and Shantice, for just uh, your conversation and your contribution into today's conversation and we pray you have a blessed day you guys thank well. you sir. thank you thank you thank you okay well you know what we do have a switch tip so i think i'm just gonna go ahead and let you do your switch tip shantice go ahead what you got for us today Today we have the switch for Shantice, where we make the switch from the streets to our godly seat. And our switch tip 163 is give your mind to God. So, <coughs> excuse me. I pulled up the definition of thoughts. 
and the definition that came up was an idea or opinion produced by thinking or occurring suddenly in the mind. And last year I was doing a series of studies and one of the topics were your thoughts. And I learned that your thoughts come from one of three places. Your thoughts can either come from God, your thoughts can come from yourself, or your thoughts can come from the enemy. And Pastor Kale brought up discernment, and that is the only way you're going to be able to tell which out of the three your thoughts are coming from if, if you pray and ask God to bless you with more and more and more discernment. And when you analyze each thought and you take and give your mind and your thoughts to God, he will then be able to tell you where your thoughts are coming from. And when I thought of this um, switch tip a little while ago, the song Wild Thoughts by Rihanna kept, like, playing in my head, playing in my head. And I know that when the song came out, that was a song that I like to sing a lot of the times, um, mainly just the chorus. A lot of times we don't realize that we really be singing. And we're just singing wild thoughts, wild, wild, wild thoughts. And, of course, initially um, the thoughts that she's referring to are, you know, sexual thoughts and so on and so forth. But you're now inviting in any type and level of wild thought. Now, we know that God, you can X him out of your wild thoughts coming from him. So now you're left with your wild thoughts even stemming from your own flesh and or from, you know, the enemy trying to introduce these thoughts to you. I came across James 1.8. In an amplified version, which reads, For being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, uncertain, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. And that is all that we're seeing in ourselves. That's all that we're hearing and seeing when we watch the news, when we listen to the news, when we're scrolling on social media. All you see are people who obviously have two minds because they doubt everything, they're hesitant about everything, they're unstable about everything. Very few people are reliable, and you can tell that whatever they think about, feel about, or decide is just all over the place. And when you think about your mind, your mind can be everywhere. I know a lot of times I'll be focused on one thing, and then before, like even last night I was praying. I was praying, and then out of nowhere, I started saying some other stuff. And I'm like, how do you get over there? Like, what are you talking about? And I think it was because I was, you know, I was tired. So, of course, when you're sleepy, now your mind is going all over the place. Even something like that, if you do not now focus, you now are double-minded. And there is another verse in the Bible that speaks about a double, you know, an unstable man is unstable in all of his ways, and he is double-minded. So you really have to make sure you stay focused or you'll be hesitating about everything. You'll be unstable in everything. You'll be unreliable in everything you think, feel, and decide. Isaiah 26.3, Amplified Version reads, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. And the you was referring to God. If we do not keep our focus on God, and it's amazing how we're not supposed to do things for God and with God to receive something. At the same time, because he is who he is and how he is, he's going to make sure that he rewards you when you genuinely 
your mind and your focus on him. He's going to guard you. He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you in perfect peace. And all we are seeing is a bunch of unpeaceful people, even when you think of yourself. So what does that tell you? That you're not keeping your mind on the one who's going to keep your mind and your thoughts together. Philippians 4, 8, message version reads, summon it all up, friends. I'll say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And I've been hearing a lot of craziness come from people's mouths, and they're either a Debbie Downer or they're just talking craziness, they're, they're talking wicked, they're talking, and it's, again, because you're not making sure that you're focusing on keeping your mind on things that are going to fulfill your thoughts and keep you from wild thoughts. So let's make sure we're making a conscious decision of making a switch from giving our minds to ourselves. And God tells us in Romans, if we don't focus on him, he will turn us over to our own minds. Read Romans 1. Making a switch from allowing the enemy to have complete access to our minds because we're just opening the door of our heads to him and making sure we're making a switch to giving our minds to God so that our thoughts are reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things that we can praise and not things to curse. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shanti. What's the title of your switch tip again? Give your mind to God. Amen. Thank you so very much for your contribution today, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, too. Thank you. All right, let's get that benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope Romans 15 13 boy you know I've been really praying and talking to God and I've said this to the congregation and it's all, and I've said this to you all before, the more I ask God for discernment, the more I ask God to open my eyes about me, the more he's just revealing, period. He's not only revealing me, but he's revealing things around me. And one of the things that God has been saying to me is make sure that's not you. Make sure that's not you. Make sure that you're not doing this. Make sure you're not doing that. Make sure that this is not something that you stay around, that you surround yourself with. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that, you know, you can't go everywhere. And we can't. Can't be in everything Some just came to me. You know, discernment. Pastor KL brought up discernment. Can I tell you how vital it is? 
and we just, you know, read the scripture so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive discernment. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to see and hear things and you automatically get what God has. You know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can all be standing in the same room, see the same thing, and you get something very different. And I'm realizing that God is doing that with me because this morning, as we were talking, God was giving me some stuff about some situations. And I'm like, you know, what? now I see why God keeps saying, keep your mouth off that. Take your mouth off that. Don't comment on this. Don't comment on that because... As he gives you discernment and you begin to understand things clearer and clearer, maybe some of the stuff that you shared or maybe some of the stuff that you have um, uh, spoken about is not ultimately what God is going to give you about the situation. And I give God thanks for discernment. Because I have been able to work my way through some things just because of what God has shown Stephanie. I've been able to make sense out of things where somebody else might be spinning their wheels trying to figure out or they're constantly complaining about something. And God has said, this is what it is. And I'm like, wow. And at that point, it's no it's no purpose in commenting on it or complaining about it because God has already given you what it is you need to have seen. So I give God thanks. I give God thanks for what he's doing with Stephanie in Stephanie's life and what I can share with God's people, what I can share with you all because Again, it's infectious. You know, misery is infectious. You know, misery loves company. Misery goes to seek out who it can make miserable. The same way happiness is infectious. Sometimes people can just be around you. And, you know, you end up, you know, being and feeling better because you were in the Forward. You know, last night we were at the repast for my aunt, and, you know, one of the cousins, she was like, I said, where's your mom? You know, we're taking pictures, and she was like, uh, she don't like pictures, you know, but maybe if you ask her, and I was like, I ain't even paying that no mind, and I went over, and I was like, it's picture time, and I was like, we haven't been able to see one another in a long time. She took down that mask. And she started taking pictures. And I was like, come on, come on, come on. Take a picture with your aunt. You haven't seen her in a while. Come on, come on. Take a picture with your husband. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, you know, you haven't been able to, um, uh, 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 you know, be there. So, um, come on. You know, we haven't... Um, we haven't been able to be together, and you haven't seen, you know, you haven't taken pictures with all your children, and, um, you know, come on, come on, come on. Well, 
look at how God moved things around. You know, God is amazing. He is utterly amazing. I saw the transformation right before my eyes, right before my eyes. And I'm giving God thanks for all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he is just moving, how he's moving in our life. And we just bless God for all that he does. So make sure that you always allow that level of discernment that the Spirit of the Lord gives you to be the blessing on your life. Okay? You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of our heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my Due Time crew for coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss this opportunity to give God your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God's fans, where it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Until then, I love you.